Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about dynamic one-on-ones. Bennett was a Brit working in Kuwait. He was enjoying living overseas and found the work to be a healthy stretch. He led a team of four and reported to a guy named Sabah, who Bennett said was terrific. During our video link coaching conversations, Bennett and I had spent a lot of time discussing trust. He was concerned that because he was a foreigner, certain bridges were closed off to him and others were completely hidden. He was eager to deepen the trust with his boss and his direct reports. He and I had discussed cultural differences, differences in personality types and styles, and the nature of trust itself. Then one day I asked Bennett if he and Sabah had had one-on-one meetings. They did, once a week, usually 30 minutes. Bennett described them as pleasant, not particularly productive. I asked if he'd ever had one-on-ones that were productive. He had. I asked about them. He said, Oh, that was a long time ago. I was very junior. I was reporting to a woman named Roberta. I remember two distinct things happened in those meetings. Most of the time, we focused on accountability. She held me accountable. She was helpful and encouraging. I never felt I was going to get scolded, but she kept me accountable. She taught me my job. He went on, in addition, and this made such a big impression on me, there were also times that were focused just on me as a person. She took the time to get to know me. Oh, that sounds nice, I said. It was. She got me to think about my career, what my long-range goals really were. We didn't talk about those things every time, maybe every fourth or fifth time, but when we did, we'd spend maybe half our time talking about, well, talking about just things. She was interested in you, I offered. He nodded happily, and I was devoted to her. I really resonate with that story, Bennett, I said. What you're describing reflects something I say every executive has to do every day in order to be successful. I held up one hand so he could see it on his screen in Kuwait. On the one hand, you have to be good at your tasks. You have to manage your work, communicate well, execute with excellence, do your tasks. I held up the other hand and said, and... You also have to build and maintain positive relationships in the workplace every day. You have to do both. And it sounds as though Roberta, consciously or not, made sure both those elements were present in your one-on-ones, the tasks and the relationship. I think really good one-on-ones make time for both. He nodded slowly. This is interesting to think about. What is, I asked. I'm wondering what's transferable from my one-on-ones with Roberta to my one-on-ones with Sabah. I can see how, if our one-on-ones were better, I might not worry so much about trust. And then he shook his head and continued, I'm afraid not much is transferable. I'm the subordinate in both, yes, but with Roberta, I was so young. I remember asking a million questions. I do not think that's what Sabah wants from me. Why, I asked, what do you think he wants? He wants me to be the subject matter expert. That's why I'm here. Well, fair enough, I said. You know what it makes me wonder? 
It makes me wonder what it would be like, Bennett, if you showed up to every one-on-one with Sabah with, let's say, three questions. Questions about the business, about your projects, about the people in the business, maybe something you saw on the street, maybe, maybe something about him. If you came to every one-on-one with three questions, what would that be like? Well, I don't know. I'd prepare differently, that's for sure. I stayed silent. He said, I think I'd be more interested in what we talk about. More interesting, too, probably. I kept silent. After a bit, he said, I'm thinking about the one-on-ones with my direct reports. They're polite, I'd say. They don't ask me questions. Well, no, one of them does ask me questions sometimes. And now I think of it, I tend to favor him above the others. Because of the questions, I asked. I'm willing to consider that, yes, he said. So maybe I ought to start showing up with Sabah that way, with questions. He laughed and said, It makes me think of advice I gave my daughter about job interviews. I said, She should always have just as many questions as they do, even if she doesn't get to ask them all. Having questions shows you've been thinking. I said, You think that advice applies to one-on-ones? Well, don't you, he asked. Well, it's sure an interesting idea that a behavior that can make you successful in a job interview can also make you successful in your one-on-ones with your boss. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. He groaned. It's like the interview is never over. I smiled back and shrugged. But in a way, that's true, Bennett, because every time you show up, you're making an impression, right? It's frightening to consider, he laughed. It's true, though. But frightening, nevertheless. Here's a different question, I said. What do you think's the purpose of your one-on-ones with Sabah? He considered only briefly and then said, Keep him updated on all these projects I'm leading. I get a little insight from him, too, now and then, but mostly I'd say we're there so I can update him. And if he were here, I asked, what do you think he'd say is the purpose of your one-on-ones? Well, I think he'd agree. At least I hope he would. That's pretty much all that happens when we're together. But you're not sure, I asked. Not really. No. You're making me realize we've never actually discussed why we have our one-on-ones, or how we'll measure them, or what we want. He gave a rueful snort. (laughs) I'd never start a project without asking those questions, but I've never done it with Sabah. Or with my direct reports, either. Well, that's one thing on my to-do list for certain. He made a note and asked me, What else should I be doing that I'm not? Do your one-on-ones get cancelled very often, I asked? Here? No. It's not exactly fast-paced here. At my last job, they got cancelled all the time. Hmm. How was that for you, I asked. To be honest, when my boss cancelled our one-on-ones, it was frustrating. It made me feel a bit second-class. But I have to confess, I did it to my direct reports now and then. I always felt guilty. Is that the point? Don't cancel? Well, I asked, how was it to feel second class? <sighs> All right. Point taken. Don't cancel. He made another note. What else? Earlier, you said that pretty much the only thing happening in your one-on-ones with Sabah was you updating him. So how would you assign the airtime? Over the course of five or six one-on-ones, are you taking up, I don't know, 90% of the airtime? 60%? What would you say? Probably... Eighty percent, I'd say. Is that bad? Bad, I answered. No, it's not bad. But it 
doesn't feel balanced, does it? Look, it could as easily be unbalanced in the other direction, right? I can imagine one-on-ones where the boss takes up 80% of the airtime. And that's not good. Well, like I say, it's not bad, but it's not balanced. Can you remember, were your meetings with Roberta balanced? Over the long haul, did you each get about 50% of the time? He considered and said, I think so, yes. I remember she used to tell me about the meeting she would have with her boss. I couldn't always follow what she was talking about, but I was glad she told me. I understood more over time. It was a terrific education. It sounds like it, I said. Given that you and she were good at balancing tasks and relationships, I'm not that surprised that the airtime was pretty evenly balanced, too. You know, he said, if I start showing up with three questions, like the interview idea, that will begin to change the balance right away. It might not get us down to 50-50, but it'll be more balanced than it is now. This is good. What else should I consider? I said, tell me how you report out to Sabah. What do you mean, he asked. What's your style? Are you a bottom line kind of guy? Are you a storyteller? Are you handing him a deck and letting him read it? I give him a deck and we go through it together. You prep a deck every week, I asked. Every week, he answered. So you show up prepared. I try, he said. Okay, good. Prep is important. You know, some people figure that eh, since the meetings happen every week or every other week, they can just show up and wing it. He said, but you think that's not so wise. I repeated, every time you show up, you're making an impression. Well, good for me, he said. I've got the prep part covered. What else? Does Sabah ask a lot of questions, I asked. A lot? No, but he asks the same ones over and over. Why, I asked. What do you mean, he said. If he asks the same questions over and over, why aren't you anticipating them, prepping the answers, putting them in the report? He laughed, a bit embarrassed. Oh, my! That sounds so elementary. I should, shouldn't I? It's funny. I've been focusing on the work, the milestones, the roadblocks, the next steps. I go in feeling I have this truckload of information I have to hose him with in 30 minutes. Oh, lovely, I said archly. Focusing on the work has made me forget the building block questions. How does he like to communicate? What's of interest to him? What's of interest to me? How is he trying to influence me? How am I influencing him? Oh, Bennett, those are great questions. And of course, you've probably thought of this already, I could be asking myself those same questions about my direct reports. How do they like to be communicated with? Then he looked at me. Anything I'm thinking about doing with Sabah, I could do with my direct reports, right? Oh, you bet, Bennett, I said. He began making notes, speaking as he wrote. Balance tasks with relationships. Balance airtime. Don't cancel. Prep with them in mind. Have three questions to ask. Did I miss anything? Well, I have one more thing, not that you missed it. It's part of balancing tasks and relationships. When you were talking about Roberta... You said she took the time to get to know you as a person, and it made an impact on you. I think showing interest in another person is powerful. But, you know, unless you're in that magical time when you're falling in love with someone and it just comes completely effortlessly, I think usually you have to choose to be interested in someone else. 
It requires choice to show real interest in another person. But you can choose it. Whether you're the boss or you're the subordinate, you could choose it. For example, you could choose to show interest in Sabah. He nodded solemnly. Yes, I could. Then he looked doubtful. I'm not certain he'd be comfortable talking about himself. Well, Bennett, that's for him to decide. You can still make the choice to show interest, and who knows what you'll end up talking about. Bennett implemented the ideas from his notes during his one-on-ones with Sabah and with his direct reports. Over the course of a few months, he felt trust was beginning to sprout a leaf here and there. Deepening his one-on-one meetings had given him more of the look and sound of leadership. The purpose of this episode was to lift the lid off the topic of one-on-ones. But before I do, I want to extend an invitation to you. This episode right now is going live in early October 2017. At the end of this month, I'm speaking at the Women's Career Conference in Pasadena. It is going to be an amazing day. There's three different career tracks. There's all kinds of speakers. It's a whole day that's just fantastic. Well, I'm going to be there, and I would love to meet you. So please come spend the day with us and say hello. If you want to know more, go to the Essential Communications homepage. There's a huge link there for the conference. The conference is October 28th, Pasadena, California. I'll see you there. Okay, so now, lifting the lid off one-on-ones. You know, I meet plenty of people who are more relieved than anything when their one-on-ones get canceled. They don't think the meetings add a lot of value, and they blame their boss. And I say, wait a second, hold on, you're no victim in there. You're 50% of the experience. What are you contributing? One of the things that I've learned listening to my clients over the years talk about their one-on-ones is, boy, oh boy, this highway called one-on-ones is broad. There are a lot of lanes, and they're all just fine. But the question I have, well, one of the questions I have is, Why are you on the road at all? You don't have to be having one-on-ones. There's no rule that says you have to. So look, if you're going to have them, get clear on the purpose. And it's never too late to have that conversation with the other person. You could have been having the same one-on-one for six years with the same person. You could still go in tomorrow and say, why are we meeting? And have that discussion. That's another one of my points here. Discuss. You know, if any one person is taking up 70%, 80%, 90% of the airtime, meeting after meeting after meeting, well, then there is not a lot of discussing going on, right? It's all talking at and no talking with. But talking with is important. That's another one of the big points here. Talking with means tending to the relationship as well as to the tasks. It means showing interest in another person. And look, If this is hard for you, you have my sympathy. I understand. I've coached people where one of the goals of the coaching is to work on relationship building skills. And one of the ways I do that with people is during the coaching, I'll ask them to interview me. In other words, I'll ask them to show interest in me. And look, I can tell this is painfully awkward for some people. If that's your story, I'm sorry. And I will say to you what I said to those clients. Boo-hoo. It's your job. Start. Just begin. It'll get better over time. Look, you can even talk about your awkwardness if you want to, but do it. 
tend the relationship, show interest. Okay, pardon the slippery segue here, but I want to show interest in something else for just a minute, and then we will come back to one-on-ones. This thing I'm going to show interest in, it's a piece of information for you, and then it's actually a question for you, something I'd really like to know what you think about. Okay, so I said it's October 2017. A week or so ago, an interview that I did on an episode of Coaching for Leaders with Dave Stahoviak went live. Now, I know many of you listen to Dave and you also listen to me. It's always great to be in touch with you all and you are a lively audience. Fantastic. Some of you may not yet know Coaching for Leaders with Dave. I've done six episodes there, I think. Really, if you don't know Dave, put him in your feed. Every Monday you get a really terrific education that is free and usable and interesting and it's going to add value to you. Well, this most recent episode that I did with Dave was about elevator speeches. We exploded a lot of ideas about elevator speeches. I think this is worth a listen. It was great. So it's Coaching for Leaders, episode 316, Elevator Speeches. Okay, now that was the information. I'd love for you to hear that. Now here's the question. I can imagine that some of you might be scratching your head right now and saying to yourself, but wait a second, Tom, you already did an episode on the look of title leadership about elevator speeches, didn't you? To which I say, yes, I did. And that's leading me to my question. When I was prepping for my interview, I knew I had done an episode on elevator speeches. And so I went back and I listened to it. Now, I think it's good. It's frankly not as good as what Dave and I just did, but it's good. And oh my goodness, it is really different. If you have not listened back to old episodes back when I started recording... Well, that episode was recorded in 2009, and first off, the episodes are much shorter. That episode was seven minutes, less than half of this one. And there's also just much more teaching going on, me kind of telling. It was not a coaching conversation like it is now. And there's none of this commentary. There's no, none of this kind of clarifying. So here's my question to you. How would it be for you if I took some topics from when the coaching tips were quite different and updated them and repurposed them. Now, I can imagine a million reactions, but here are two that come to my mind. One reaction might be, oh, yeah, that would be great. I'm never going back to listen to the archive anyway. Or, what? No, I have listened to the archive. I really want to hear new content every month. So I don't know what your idea is, but I would love to hear your answer to what you would say about me taking some topics from when the tips were different and updating and repurposing them. How would you tell me? Shoot me an email. The Essential Communications homepage has a big contact us button. That's the button. It's essentialcom.com, essentialcom with two M's.com. Now, final wrap-up about one-on-ones. Two final reminders. Number one, prep. Make time to prepare. If you have material to report out, Get it prepared. And if you're going to show interest, for example, you could prep your questions. But prepare. Don't wing your one-on-ones. And finally, cancellations. Look, any way you slice it, when you cancel a one-on-one, what it tells the other person is they're not as important. So look, of course, there are always going to be times when something really unavoidable happens. But if it's your pattern to cancel your one-on-ones, then rethink your schedule. 
Why would you put yourself in the position of repeatedly telling someone else that what you have to do is more important than they are? Stop canceling. I don't talk about these sort of management skills all that often, but when I do, I enjoy it. There's an entire category in the archive called management skills. You can give it a look. There's lots in there. It's under the coaching tips tab, and then you sort by subject management skills. There's five episodes in there that I might point to in particular. They are engagement and performance, leading teams, managing performance, up or out, managing up, and your team's best interest, part one. Uh, And because it's that time of year, one more, performance reviews. If you've got a performance review coming up and you would like some help, then boy, oh boy, that's a great episode. Lots of information there for you. Let me know how you answer that question about old episodes. Thanks for being in touch. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.